extra video here from Boston Speaks Up and I'm going to try to do this live. I didn't want to do this beforehand, but Shri, your first name is Shri Vidya? Shri Vidya, yes. Okay, now <laughs> last name, let me try. Kalyan okay. Araman? Yes, Shri Vidya Kalyan Raman. That's right. Right on. All right, cool. So, and now for the rest of the podcast, I'm just going to go with Shri. Okay, that's fair. Okay, cool. So, Shri, thanks for joining Boston Speaks Up today and further thanks for uh, welcoming Boston Speaks Up with such open arms into the Boston O community. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I've heard so many things, all good things <laughs> about Boston Speaks Up and uh, the podcast and the format is just very, very interesting and cool. And I'm very happy to be here part of this project. Cool. Um, <laughs> Why don't, like we should dump, jump into a a deep thought that you just started to share, and it's kind of what compelled me to hit record. You were just uh, you just sparked a podcast I've been into recently is Russell Brand's podcast Under the Skin, which explores consciousness. Oh, and really? You were okay. just talking. So, what are some of the podcasts that you like listening to, and uh, what have you been listening to recently? I really like listening to. So, uh, I have I, I write this weekly newsletter or or it, it goes out three times a week and I just have like a Sri recommend section there and I talked about this recent one that I discovered called Science of Happiness. Um, it's produced by um, a team out in UC Berkeley and they do it's it's called Greater Good for Science or something. Mm -hmm. So what they do is um, give you a science tested technique uh, just to build better habits, to be more um, aware of your state of mind, state of being, um, really kind of crystallize these abstract concepts of gratitude and kindness and love and emotion and things like that. Sure. And just being so far away from home and um, family, I think it's given me a good anchor to keep like, make sure that I have like a check on my thoughts. And also it's like, an easy breezy 20 minute which is exactly my commute so mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's, I, I, that's good I, re I really like that one I also like NPR's Hidden Brain um, which is pretty interesting yeah. the subjects they talk about are um, some that are dear to my heart so yeah cool that's really cool so you mentioned home and sort of like remaining um, grounded I think maybe mm. you alluded to but sort of like your your place in this world like you're pretty far away from home so mm -hmm. it's probably really helpful to be mindful of where you are sort of vis-a-vis -vis, uh your family back in mumbai yeah so that's that's where you grew up what was your what was your childhood like and how often do you make it back there um i yes i grew up in mumbai when it was still bombay so i kind of refuse to call it mumbai but for <laughs> the world i do um yeah i grew up uh, i was born there was raised there my, my parents are from the south of india and mumbai is kind of the west coast if you think about it um they moved there for school so um my the family at large has already had been through one phase of displacement. Uh, but w when, when I grew up there, a lot of my extended family 
was already there, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, growing up in Mumbai was fun, I want to say, but also it's it's just so stimulating. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a big, big brick concrete jungle, uh, and it was it was fun. I mean, all my friends and uh, near and dear ones were literally a stone's throw away. We lived in like huge apartment buildings and you can literally see what the other person's having for dinner or what they're watching on their TV because it's the apartments wow. are like matchboxes, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it 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 was, I mean, moving here when I did like eight years ago, I was just like taken over by the amount of space per capita mm. here just like you know the way people even like go up the escalator everyone's like one stair down right the I, I i like the respect for personal space that's not what i grew up with so wow that's fascinating yeah and even, and even coming to a major metro like boston it didn't even come close to comparing to sort of the high density not of people a, per you know per no capita. no i actually well funnily enough my the first city i moved to in uh, the country was New York City. So okay. I, that was good in more ways than one because I it made me miss um, home less because yeah. it's the same kind of like maelstrom of activity and stimuli every time you step out of your apartment. Yeah. Um, so which I really appreciated. And also the fact that I was I was going to NYU and I was just like high on life. I was like, oh my God, like, this is insane. This is the time to be alive and, you know, yeah. be doing what I'm doing. Um, I moved to Boston uh, into 2015. Um, it was a big change from New York to Boston yeah. also, but I love it here. And I, I don't think I want to go back for a while. <laughs> wow. That's cool. I want to, I want to talk more about what you love about Boston, but before we, I want to, I want to stick around and, uh, your childhood you you mentioned a word to describe your childhood was haste yeah why'd you say that um i mean i really wish uh i could take you to mumbai yeah. to do so you can yeah. know what that word actually means but yeah. it is everything there is so timed um the concept of time is both very very important and also very very trivial Okay. Important in the sense that everybody's like that's that's the race everyone is on, and it's the race of time. Everyone's like, I gotta be here in fifteen minutes. I gotta be here in an hour. I gotta be here in two hours. But nobody really sticks to that because the city has its own rhythm. It has its own ways and its own manner. And it's like, mm, you want to get you in fifteen minutes? Well, too bad. <laughs> so, and every everybody is always in a hurry. It's like ever since I know what living a life in a day means, like Mm -hmm. waking up, going to school, coming back, everything was just rushed. Like, come on, get up. You're going to be late for school. You're going to miss the bus. Okay, then you're going to miss lunch. You're going to miss the bus back. Uh You're going to miss, you know, extra after school activity. You're going to miss the bus to the activity you're going to miss the bus back home so it was always like very hamster on the wheel like yeah it was um, just like a very <laughs> frantic routine very frantic routine it didn't help that uh, my parents also are like 
they weren't strict, but they're very, they're Indian parents with high standards of performance mm-hmm. for whatever I chose to do to, to do. Sure. So uh, I think that had a part to play as well, where I was like, no dull moment at yeah. all. So that I think that word kind of sums up uh, my life. Growing up, yeah. Cool. And most, <laughs> most, a lot of great parents are often like that. They they expect a lot of you, and they also subscribe you to a lot of things. Yes. To keep your schedule, yes. your schedule busy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's really cool. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what was it about? Was there anything about your childhood or an influence in your life that drew you to pursuing a journalism career? Um, my parents. Yeah. Uh, when you say subscribe, it's it's funny that you said they subscribe. I was going to, I, I was, the, the thought choice. that I had, yes, the thought that I had was newspapers. Uh, no, but but seriously, um, growing up, I, I mean, my parents like devour information in a way that I um, had like not known and still to, to date don't know. I mean, I don't, now that I live far away from them, I see what it does to them. And I was like, don't consume this much news. It's only going to produce anxiety. But yeah, my parents, I mean, they subscribe to six newspapers till date. And they've done wow. that ever since I've known what newspapers were. Yeah. We always had five to six different kinds of newspapers in many languages. Yeah. Um, and I had to read, if not most at least one of them yeah and we would talk about it um over dinner or the conversation that we would have just any casual conversation we would have would be an exchange of what's happening in the world what's what are we reading and what are you reading what are you interested in reading so they would it was it was a lot of prodding questions to Mm. make me curious early on and um that was definitely also the fact that my dad thinks that he has lived a uh hollow life because he hasn't been a journalist so i think that kind of he kind of transferred that dream to Mm me where he was like oh i could be writing in one of these papers instead of reading one of these papers so i was like why, yes, I can do that for you. And it just kind of like progressed that way. And I decided pretty early on that that's what I wanted to do. I think I was about 10 or 12 when um, I came home um, and we just had to do like an essay. And I I, I did a school essay and the school essay was on um, the bulletin board. And then I drew the bulletin board because, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. So I couldn't snap a picture, send it to my parents. So I drew the bulletin board and like drew my essay where it stood like in the board. And my dad was like, yeah, is this what you want to do with your life? And I was like, I think so. I want to keep writing. And I mean, it was a new story about how I found a mouse in the ladies' toilet in our school, so that was my first story. And you had that some I questions, yeah. That you I want had answers questions. too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were curious. Your parents had injected the curiosity yeah. into your mind. I think more than the curiosity. Yeah. I think it was the. Uh, um, I want to say this need to share. Yeah, this need to cool. share curiosity is what drew me to journalism. Yeah, you and me both. That is, <laughs> ever since. Uh, Third grade, I, yeah. can, I can remember wanting to be someone that shared news and information with my friends. Yeah. And I can remember wanting everyone to get 
these little data blasters, mm-hmm. which was like, a, it was like essentially a sports almanac. Mm-hmm. And I was really into sports and stats. Yeah. And I wanted my friends to have it because there was a little feature that if you were within like a quarter of a mile of another data blaster, you could te- like essentially text message each other. Oh, and so neat. I wanted to, yeah. And I was in third grade <laughs> and it was the nineties and no one, there was no, no one had cell phones. Yeah. And I just thought it was You're so an cool. Early adopter. Yeah. I really yeah. wanted to consume a, a, and identify a cool statistic and then message it to my friends. Yeah. In third grade. I was like, okay. But, <laughs> I think yeah, I chose you wanted, the right you were a wire reporter back in third grade. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. That's cool. So you, um, you went to NYU. Yeah. And was that a school that was like a top target for you? Was going to New York a big target for you? How did that all come to fruition? Um, It's funny. So I had read about this fellowship that the Wall Street Journal Endowment Fund um, was running back in the day where it picked one business journalist from Asia to um, pick as a fellow to study um, the master's program at NYU. It's called Master's in Business and Economic Reporting. Um, I remember I sent that link over to a dear friend of mine, a dear friend and colleague um, back from home. And she applied one year, she didn't get through, but this next year she applied, she, she did get through. And I was like, see, this is amazing. And she was like, oh my God, you gotta do it because you're the one who told me about it. I was <laughs> like, mm, in good time. I I was still um, really like high on life, really happy doing what I was doing back home. I felt like I could I could I was on the on the the verge of something big, yeah. um, but that kind of dissipated too soon because workload took over and a bunch of different uh, my ambitions went in like different directions. I wanted to do many different things at once. Um, but I eventually did apply to the fellowship and I got in and I did, I don't actually know, um, everybody talks about how difficult this college application process is or how stressful it can be, mm-hmm. but I did not have that experience because I, I, it was almost like a backdoor entry sort of thing for me where I applied to the fellowship. I got in, um, and then I got accepted to the program subsequently after that because, mm-hmm. um, they, the the WSJ endowment fund basically picks the fellow after you know several interviews and phone calls and things like that and once they decide that they want to give you the fellowship they pay for everything including a living stipend and Amazing. um yeah for your books and your tuition and rent and everything they take care of everything and once they pick the fellow, they inform NYU saying, okay, this is the person we've picked and this person needs to get accepted to the program. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Good for you. Yeah. That's thank amazing. You. And yeah. that, what are, that's, I actually have never had like a fellowship program, not that all are exactly the same, but explained in that detail. So it yeah. must be nice to go to move to New York City and have complete peace of mind. Like Absolutely. You're, you're, in, you're in the university you want to be in, your stipend for your, for your, you know, a roof over your head a is taken care yeah. of, and yeah. then it's just you are afforded the opportunity to make what you want in your life. Yeah, you know, with the education, it's, and it seems like you had, um, you know, through that program, some really good like internship opportunities. Absolutely. And, and what, what are the, some of the things you did in New York 
sort of tied to that program? Yes, it was. It absolutely was. Um, I did a bunch of different <laughs> things. We ran, um, we ran a small student startup publication um, at, you know, at like the university level. Our class produced a lot of good content on that. Um, we, I had the opportunity to to be the media contingent for um, United Nations, you know, one of their major conferences. And yeah, it's, I mean, (laughs) thinking back, I feel like it, being a student is really where my heart is at. And I think that's the core of um, curiosity. Yeah. Just being at a place where all you have to do is learn and explore. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so like, let's kind of fast forward through then into, into Boston. Then I'm curious, I mean, you're talking, you you seem to be, you're naturally curious. You just mentioned you love being a student. You're a student at heart. You love to share. Yeah. Boston's a pretty good city for those things, right? There's, I think the density is what during the school year, like one in four people as a student, Mm -hmm. something like that. And who knows these days it could be more. That's what it was when I was in school and that was 12 years ago. (laughs) Um, and there is something about the academic environment in particular in Boston that, that drew me back from yeah. L.A. Like, oh, I kind of miss being around Harvard and MIT and like my alma mater, BU. Like I want to mm-hmm. be, you know, I've, and I've attended conferences at, at those schools. And it's the, the ability to just go and like sit in an audience and learn about artificial intelligence from the most forward thinking people that exist. Like that's just commonplace in Boston. So I know I, I imagine some of that is what, what drew you here, but what specifically sort of drew you uh, into the lane of, of uh, your position? You're now editor at Bostino. Yeah. And yeah, what are some of the things that you love and appreciate most about the city and why is it, it seems like it's, it's home. You're talking about no, not is. going anywhere, <laughs> which is great. We don't want to lose you. <laughs> Tell us more. Uh, so um, this might be a, a stretch of a parallel, but people who are, who, who get the reference probably get it. Um, so I started my, my reporting career in India, in Bangalore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bangalore in many ways is like India's Boston, I would say. It's it's thriving with like not only like young people and talent and this kind of like brain activity there. I feel like if somebody drew a chart, it would just be off the roof. It would be very colorful. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think what, what drew me here and uh, rather what keeps me here is how excited people here are to share ideas, right? I think about um, New York as the, the city of capital. I think about DC as the city of power. I think about Boston as a city of ideas, um, more so than, you know, San Francisco or LA or elsewhere. I mean, more power to all, all the cities out there. I'm sure there's great people there. But I think um, Boston has something very innate in its DNA, which is very core to like learning and um, sharing and just it's like deep historical roots. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's there's so much like even even a small stretch of like place that you go to. I'm very curious to know like who lived there. I, I, I learned recently that uh, William James, uh, the psychologist, um, Julia Child and one another noted person, they all lived on like one particular street in Cambridge. Hmm. Yeah, I do not know that. 
Wow, yeah. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Irving Street, if I'm not wrong. But um, yeah, and I think that there's there's so much history, and that is that sort of seeps into um, people's mentality to like know more about the city, be grounded, like just learn more and keep that attitude going. I I really like that. Of course, not to mention. Yeah. MIT and Harvard and all of these yeah. universities and all these brainiacs over here. But yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's even apart from that, I think people really feel the connection to the history of this place, which is rooted in learning. That's cool. The, um, you reminded me of one of your answers, like, I think it was like, what do you love about journalism or Boston and one or the other? And you said, um, ideas. Yeah. And yeah, that the way you sort of described uh, New York is capital, DC is power, Boston is ideas. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And they <laughs> yeah. start, I, I, I'll, I'll uh, be sure to source you as I'm sharing <laughs> that with people, but I think that's really well said. Yeah. And you also mentioned that you really, um, you love Cambridge. Yeah. You, you know, you love that about yeah. Boston. Is that, it's, you know, you, you spoke a bit to it just with the, you know the the charm and the history and the universities um is that where you live like what yeah, anything that's else where about, I, that's about where Cambridge? I live. Yeah. it's funny um so when i when i first moved to boston uh my best friend in new york she used to live um in boston briefly before that and i was very hesitant i really did not want to leave new york mm -hmm. and the life that i'd built there and yeah. everything that was familiar um but she told me she was like you you want to live on the red line just that just pick somewhere mm -hmm. on the red line beyond you know park street and you're good mm -hmm. and i was like mm, okay mm -hmm. all right and i um i was i was really like lost i was like like deer in front <laughs> of headlights almost <laughs> and my first apartment was somewhere um near it was near davis square and I loved it. And it was, it's a funny story because I, it was in, it was initially supposed to be a sublet and I went to live there for like two years. But it, what was funny is that um, I really liked the place. I was, I was there in the city for a few hours and this person who was renting it to me, he was like, so do you like the place? And I was like, yeah, did I get it? And he, he goes, what do you mean? Did you get it? Do you like it? I was like, I love it but I don't know if I got it. And he's like, well, if you like it and if you can pay the rent, it's yours. And I was like, just like that? And this was, yeah. I mean, in context, it's yeah. funny because yeah. I was turned down an apartment in New York because somebody told me that their, their energy vibes don't match with mine. So, and coming from that, and oh, I was wow. like, mm, all I gotta have is $800 to give you every month, and this place is mine. In good like, faith. Sweet. Yeah, in good faith. There's something good about Boston like that. It's funny when yeah. you go around and people are like, oh, but folks from Boston, they can be kind of harsh or whatever. Talk to, not, That's not been no. my experience. Well, yeah, well, that well, has not been I my experience. Yeah. By the way, especially Davis, I lived in Davis Square no uh, way. as well. I was there. So I spent one year after school, like 2000 seven eight yeah um back home and then my buddies and i bought a uh rented a place on highland ave yeah uh, right across that's from somerville where I hospital used to. that's where I, mm. I used to live we used to highland walk to, used to walk to highland kitchen yes and uh i lived like three, three minutes away from there yeah and go down yeah. to davis and so we lived there we had that place i lived there for over three years 
my my family, my friend, my sister moved in at one point. <laughs> I left. I went to LA. My sister moved in. My all my best friends lived there with my sister. Like That's... it was like we. It was a sad day. Yeah. When uh, our group gave up that that Somerville apartment. Um, and I think yeah. the other thing that I really like about Boston is I think why people say that it's not initially welcoming is yeah. that once people find. Um, like-minded crowd sure. they tend to like move in packs almost and oh, yeah. not that not that this is to yeah. say that they they won't welcome the more packs people. aren't welcoming but yeah, they do they, move in packs yeah so. and 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 that could be because there are so many different kinds of people pursuing so many different things here yeah. that it just it just kind of works that way it's just yeah. like clusters form based on yeah you know interests that you share yeah um and yeah and but the first thing that I noticed when I moved to Cambridge and I would take walks is people having like their these these beautiful backyards and people just sitting in like yeah. around the table and drinking beer or you know yeah. baking bread and I was like man I want I want to be a part of this like yeah. this is what I want yeah it was a huge change for me to recognize that I had left behind the stimulus of New York and I wanted a more quieter place where I could like hear my own breath but yeah, yeah and I think that's what keeps me in Cambridge that's cool yeah that was one of the things that my friends who were stuck around like in Boston like I went to Boston University a couple of my friends like they lived in Back Bay or they yeah. lived in the South End and in the summer they'd all come to our place in Somerville because yeah. we had a backyard exactly and we'd have barbecues and we'd go to a friend's place in Cambridge and we go to a backyard and we'd have a barbecue and there's something about like there's that perfect blend of like you're in the city and it's a, but it's like feels a little bit like like almost like a small town community yeah in a city yeah um, yeah it's one of the things that drew drew my family my wife and I and our daughter and our pup uh, <laughs> back as well we sort of we sort of missed that and those those different little clusters of, of folks that we had grown so close to even when you left the beautiful gorgeous weather of LA. Yeah, it's, it's like the list is, it's short but important, like the list of things I miss from LA. I definitely miss the weather. I miss I miss the people that we, yeah. family and, and the, you know, the people that became family that we love there. Yeah. And the people that I work with are, that are family. Mm-hmm. My brother's there, my, my sister-in-law's there. Um, so yeah, the weather and, and the small pack of people that we have in LA, mm-hmm. I miss I miss those those folks a lot. But the, the greater sort of um, sort of vibe in communities they're just they're very they're much more disparate Mm -hmm. whereas boston like there are all those little clusters yeah but it seems to like be all part of a greater plan yeah like it seems all more of a part of an inner you know sort of interconnected plan so let's talk let's talk a little bit about boston Mm oh and i kind of want to like go back into like that like my question about what specifically has drawn you to boston oh and sort of what you how you see Boston's role now and evolving mm-hmm. as a steward of community around innovation in Boston. Yeah. Um I mean, I don't know where to start. I feel like I feel like we have a pretty solid history here and also with your guests on these podcasts yeah. with Lauren and yeah. Lucy and I'm 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 glad they probably already did some of this groundwork, but um it's it's really exciting. Um I feel like I get, I have the front row ticket to the latest and greatest of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 
it's it's it can be overwhelming because it it's just so many moving parts but we're really tasked with doing this and we want to do this well um as a publication we look at ourselves as um people who can you know identify what's going to change the nature of how we do things right mm-hmm. how we live how we eat how we behave um and there are like silent revolutions happening in like labs here in dorm rooms right. in like close group meetings yeah. in people's brains and i cannot wait to get into each one of them and pry it open and see what that looks like because um and really with boston no that's what we try to do right we try to etch out the nat- narrative of how these people view these ideas um and the best portrayal of that is through um you know these lengthy features of just having it on paper and looking at it having all your ideas and thoughts land in in text almost right uh sometimes this is something that they also don't understand because we'll be like oh this is a great company this could be a great company or oh, this was a great company so it goes through the motions of that because yeah. we've been around for so long we've been writing and this is what we do day in and day out we tend to lose track of some of those but i really think that um this is this is important work that we're doing in just having um the city look at its what it's doing it's almost like a report card i want the way i look at boston is that okay this is a city this is a community these these are the people that are in it these are the stakeholders that are in it and this is what they're doing look at what they're doing we're telling you what they're doing mm-hmm. and then you can sort of judge or rank for yourself as to how important or how influential this person or this idea is going to be in the near or far future yeah. and which is why um sort of being at being on top of things is is yes it is important but also what's more what's more important is um churning these ideas down and being like okay this matters today but where is this going to be you know 3 years from now maybe it won't yeah. um and it gets to it's good to have that historical record because we often go back to stories that we wrote in like 2012 2013 being like Oh my god, remember when people didn't think you could share cars to get to places? Yeah. And we're like, wow. Yeah. And that's the value I see. It's almost like Yeah. historical record keeping. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's great to see you like crescendo into where my mind was going. Like that whole time you were talking, that was a very coherent um and well-stated thought um there. I could not agree more that sort of the role of specifically Bostono is sort of adhering to maintaining the ledger of history um that is the ideas some of which will be at, well, many of which will be at a different range of sort of execution yeah. but a ledger and ledger comes to mind for me like mm-hmm. but you, like you sort of the way you're thinking about it is exactly how I think about it yeah. but it's documenting words on paper 
forever and for all to come in the future. Yeah. Here's what we, here's what ideas exist now. Here's what progress exists now. Here's yeah. what, here's what plans we have ahead so that the next entrepreneur and the next idea yeah. can build off yeah. the pre-existing ideas. So that as a society, as a culture, not just as like an innovation scene but actually as a culture we can as a culture. we can yeah. progress yeah and to me that's like one of the most beautiful ways to think about your role as a journalist yeah. so it's really cool to hear you so um succinctly share it much better than me <laughs> uh, but yeah i think that's it like the ledger of history is journalism and and helping get these ideas on paper uh, not only does it also help people down the line, but it also helps those entrepreneurs. Like a yeah. lot of the a lot of the journalists and friends I talk to in media, the the reason they love like a, you paint a really cool visual, of like unpacking, you know, like getting in and seeing inside people's brains, is yeah. because oftentimes really heady big thinkers that are solving big problems, they could use the therapy yeah. of having a journalist interpret their story, <laughs> transcribe it, and then like digest it, yeah. metabolize it and be like, oh, wow, the way you just presented my story to me just helped me have another breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that does happen often. I I, I don't remember what story this was, but um, <laughs> uh, this this entrepreneur that I interviewed and um, subsequently written a story on the company wrote to me and it was really heartwarming for me to see that because uh, he said, Wow, you explained this in a way that I, I I struggle to explain the science of what I'm trying to do to my employees or, you know, prospective employees or even investors. I'm just going to print this out and put it on our like you know notice board, and I'm going to share this for people who want to interview with the company so they know exactly what we do. And I was like, that's that's pretty flattering. Thank you so much. But I mean, I I. You know, that's something that I often think about um, in my like daily life as I sit down to write, right? I was like, how much am I taking away from the story that I shouldn't be and how much more I can add uh, in a way that I can do best without really, you know, bothering the integrity of what this person's voice is. Because, you know, in our stories that we write, we don't quote the people we talk to a lot. I mean, yes, there are quotes, but it's it's really um, a summation of how I have understood yeah. something and uh, how I have decoded the information. And I think that is, um, that's a relentless pursuit that we have to engage in, yeah. um, especially when we're telling other people's stories because they need to be told well and they need to be told in um, while keeping their voice intact. Yeah, that's well said. Because it, it doesn't it doesn't help the company that you're writing about, and, and certainly doesn't help the audience to take their like canned quotes and their story and yeah. more or less retranscribe it. Yeah, like it really takes ingesting it all and analyzing it and providing your own take. Yeah, like that's 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 journalism, and those are the the types of journalists that I most admire, which is why I admire you, Shri. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so are there any big ideas that you've recently stumbled upon that uh, you would love to share with the Boston community, maybe that you have recently written about or or just particular trends or new ideas that you're seeing starting to surface here in what's almost April 2019? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, this is funny, but I I don't. Ah, uh, wow. The, I'm I'm literally like going through a list of companies, like a a ledger of companies every day. But I'm like blanking when you ask me. But no. This morning, I was doing some research um, on biotech, and I happened to see, um, I don't remember the, the name, obviously, but uh, the, the, the company is trying to do something very interesting. They're trying to take um, silk, or um, I don't know if it is silk, or it is, it's, it's something related to the, the, the element of silk. Okay. Um, and trying to see how that can be, that can have a broad application in um, the microbiome, microbiome <laughs> space. If I'm not wrong, I don't, I don't, I don't want to kind of butcher the yeah. idea, but yeah. just to see if this can have any health applications, if people can use it beyond just this, this idea that. Okay, silk can be something that can help you, you know, overcome diabetes mm. or an autoimmune disease. Yeah. It's just yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Or uh, one of the companies that we um, featured in our startups to watch was, um, I remember Dust Identity, where they tried to take um, diamonds uh, to provide um, security. I, I'm, I might be, I might be totally. You know, again, not getting the description right, but it's really cool. It's really cool what some of these companies are trying to do. I mean, even Spice, yeah. the yeah. the robot kitchen that yeah. that happens to be very um, close to where I work, and I've been there a couple of times. Um, it's not the place. I mean, honestly, when I first went there, I was like, "Oh, there are going to be no humans." That's not true. Yeah. Spoiler alert! But yeah. it is still cool to see the robot sort of making and serving yeah. and assembling food yeah. yeah like right outside the uh the studio here where we're recording there's a little irobot yeah um vacuum yeah that i hadn't seen before that I'm, like, I'm like oh cool yeah there it yeah. is <laughs> um yeah there the, the robots are everywhere well th this has been interesting i'm curious um as we're kind of heading into spring and summer like even on work related what are you looking forward to as spring is now spring i think it's it's like, like spring yeah today i think it's the first day of spring day. Yeah. right yeah, yeah first day of spring uh we got probably some few cold days ahead still but what um what activities do you love to do in boston as the weather warms uh, <laughs> definitely um go to all the free concerts yeah. in the city that is something that's like it's it's really close to my heart i've been i've been trying to do that ever since i got to this country because I really feel like I will, if I cannot find like-minded people um, at a concert or at a bookstore, I am not going to find them anywhere else. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I really like, um, there are these bunch of like Berkeley students who perform, um, perform might be a strong word, but who just play um, at the Boston Common from like 1230 to 1.00. Um, they're just like jamming out, having yeah. a good time with each other. And yeah. I it's 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 so nice to see. The city like really comes alive in the summer. Um, that's something I really like doing. I um really like taking walks along um the promenade, yeah, along the Charles. Yeah. That's really nice. Um going to all the 
beer gardens. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. more than I remember. Yeah. I remember when Trillium like was just starting. And there now are I'm quite back, a few now. And now yeah. there's like Trillium beer gardens. Yes. And there's more beer gardens. Yeah. Like, wow, there are also great. like cider gardens. Yeah. Like Downy Cider has its own thing. Yeah. 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 So those are things I'm looking forward to. And mostly just taking long walks at like parks. Like, I mean... I, I cannot really, um, there is no similarity if I try to juxtapose the environment I grew up in and right. the environment I live in now. Um, of course, we had parks and I did like play in the parks as kids, but the amount of greenery a city can give you is just so different from, you know, how it was in like Bombay versus what is it like, what it's like now in Boston um, the access to urban greenery is something I really, really appreciate and is really close to my heart. And I think I can fully enjoy it only in the brief three to four pe- four months period mm. in the year. So I usually just take long walks that's and cool. run. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. what make, that's, what, that's what makes the spring and the summer so special. Though. I feel like pe- uh, people really maximize their spring, summer and fall yeah. in Boston where like, in LA, it's always nice. So actually, there's like a lack of a sense of haste. Yeah. To like actually <laughs> get out and do things. Yeah. Um, so unless you're like obligated to an activity, like like I'm on this soccer team playing on this day, like sometimes you just kind of like sit around and you're not actually really appreciating, mm-hmm. you know, the the green around you, the ability to walk, the yeah. ability to walk on the beach. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to spring and summer with Likewise. family. Yeah, my daughter will be two two years old this summer. Oh wow! So yeah, maybe play some soccer. That's cool. She's starting to run around. She's rambunctious, like yeah. you were growing up. Didn't you say you were rambunctious? Yes, that's, I mean that's yeah. that's the adjective my um my um your family would dad, use. Yeah, yeah, he would use to describe me. He was like, ever since um the the running joke in our family is that I could um speak sentences before I could chew my food <laughs> so sounds like my daughter <laughs> yeah my mom always um would keep saying that I could I could actually like like talk yeah and um make sense when I was like one one and a half years old but I couldn't really know how to like I didn't really know how to eat my food or chew properly until I was like two or three yeah so she was like ah I mean your priorities were all wrong (laughs) yeah or your priorities were all right you're like hey I'm one years old but I'm gonna be a journalist uh, yeah I'll figure out this eating thing later I'll figure out this eating thing later (laughs) Yeah. yeah so that's definitely um and I think I saw that word first when he used it um, in a birthday card um, addressed to me. And I was like, what is this word? Like, yeah. is this English? And I, I remember, I think I was, I, I would have been like five or six yeah. back then. And um, that word really stuck with me. And I thought it was a very sassy way of like, you know, describing, um, you know, your kid yeah and i was like yeah i'm rambunctious <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool yeah uh the, the the last question i asked you i i did want to um bring up this is the last question i asked you on the one word answers mm-hmm. about sort of the thing in the world that you'd most want to sort of change or impact and um you mentioned something that it, it's come up with other folks i've spoken to on this podcast and many people in my life um and that's water scarcity yeah are you i mean expand however you'd like i'm curious if you've identified in particular certain projects ideas that you're drawn to as 
causes that you're um, particularly keen on or that you would recommend people check out just in helping sort of be both knowledgeable and potentially supportive of, of the right initiatives to, to take into consideration just how serious that is? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, obviously I will defer to the internet and it's, you know, um, <laughs> a, extreme extensive knowledge on this subject, but um in terms of I feel like in terms of water it's so it's so essential that every little thing we can do can go a very long way um rainwater harvesting is something that's that's so so crucial to um I don't know sustainability sustainability and just like making sure that you're you are making the most of this one thing you're getting Mm -hmm. right um, the way I think about why water especially is so dear to me is because growing up in India, uh, uh, we ran into like just scarcity problems very often, especially in the summer. And we would all like taking showers was a luxury. I don't remember ever taking a like a long shower. It was it was always like stored water in these big tubs and um my mom actually with a sharpie she would like draw a line and be like this is how much water you can use for your shower and then dad and I used this much so we had like these marked uh levels and we I couldn't go beyond that right so it always called like I I don't understand like this like somehow showering for me is always like a cleaning ritual and not like a relaxation thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and it can be, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it's, it's not, I mean, water is essential and it is therapeutic in more ways than one, but I think we can be, we can all be a little more conscious of how much water we just like, how much we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like even when we try to, you know, wash a spoon, maybe we don't have to just keep the water running while washing a single spoon. Mm -hmm. You know, we could just like take all the water in one container and just wash it. And Mm -hmm. I think these are simple tips and tricks and that everybody can do. And it's not just about like, Oh, we're talking about like water scarcity in, you know, in Zambia or you know elsewhere in in like the sub-Saharan desert we're talking about places like California oh yeah which is in like a thriving first world country yeah right and we all face this we all face a pinch of what it is like to not have this essential like fuel of life yeah um so yeah I mean that's 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 the only if 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 we had to think about one thing we could do is just just be careful of how much water is just going to waste when we don't shut the tap yeah. when we should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things that I, I have Googled this and I haven't found an exact idea that maps up with what's in my brain. Yeah. If you would open my brain up right now and take a look. <laughs> Very colorful brain. Check it out. Um, gamifying energy. Yes. Yeah. Like use is interesting to me like i worked at this company they were originally called positive energy we Mm -hmm. helped rebrand them as o power okay and they eventually sold the oracle for like 500 million dollars and they were this super simple company right this is what they did they were they worked with a behavioral scientist um i believe he was from he was from arizona or arizona state um i remember never forget dr cialdini Mm -hmm. and he had a very simple um 
idea and concept that they turned into this whole business, which was they partner with the utility company. So you get your national grid bill mm-hmm. and it would say, here's your energy usage this month. And here are the, uh, here's how your energy usage stacks up against neighbors with similar size homes. And here are the three oh, things, here are the three things you can do yeah. this month over the next month to reduce your energy bill. Oh, wow. And it was just, it was brilliant and it was simple. And so I think about this all the time, like just the idea of making it a game. Yeah. Like you're for your family, like you're like, if you like hitting goals of less yeah. water usage, less electricity usage. Yeah. And like, like, of course, like a financial win is what old power offered. And like that all obviously helps, but literally gamifying it yeah. and having some behavioral science involved where you're like creating a little bit of a peer pressure yeah. model where yeah. like your neighbors are doing it. You should be doing it. So <laughs> it seems to me like what O Power did, and that was that was like almost ten years ago. Oh wow! And that company did it for years after that. But they, I mean, their exit was I don't know. I don't know what happens when you get gobbled up in Oracle <laughs> and where all that innovation goes. <laughs> but maybe we need to hit the repeat button on something like that. So no, yeah. I think about that all the time because I'm like, if I could totally see like just my like myself as, and I could see my wife like getting invested in like. Mm-hmm. that just as a household but i could also see us like doing it you know vis-a-vis like our friends and our peer group and be yeah. like hey like let's let's do this and then like you could take your savings and like we'll go up to one of those beer gardens in the summer and like hey you earned it yeah you saved less energy use less water this month yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean um a lot of um projects in india are about like filtering um seawater selling water through like reverse osmosis and things like that. I mean, those are, um, I think those measures, how we can save, conserve and better use water have, have, are all already in place, right? And um, sometimes I think we just don't have the time to be like, okay, I don't have the time to look this up or support this in any meaningful way. That's fine. Mm-hmm. As long as you just don't, you know, daydream while the tap is running i think yeah, i think we're yeah. good i mean we can do exactly. we can do small little contributions just every day yeah yeah Shri, this has been great thank you yeah. so much it was yeah. my pleasure yeah thank you so much thanks yeah. boston cheers thank you